1: Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravali.
2: What's up, everybody? It's a Wednesday edition of the Daily Face-Off Show. Today is Wednesday, December 8th. He's Steve Greeley, former Buffalo Sabres assistant general manager, and we are streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com, Twitter, as well as YouTube. Steve, what's going on?
3: Not much, Frank. Great to be here. Exciting show. Lots to uh, highlights, hits. We got it all today, so it's good to be here.
2: Yeah, let's start with that ridiculous play last night from Trevor Zegras of the Anaheim Ducks. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and talk about hockey's version of the alley-oop and you know what's amazing about the trevor zegris goal that was scored last night everyone's calling it the trevor zegris goal he didn't actually score it it's the trevor zegris assist it hardly ever happens that way that you talk about the person passing the puck rather than the scorer itself nonetheless a completely new goal that we've seen in the nhl that certainly will be played on repeat for a while Greels.
3: yeah incredible play Uh, I think we finally might be moving past the Michigan and have a goal named after my old school, the BU. Uh, Absolutely incredible play. I don't know when we'll see it again. You know, like the the Lacrosse Michigan goal has been happening for years now. Guys are doing it left and right, girls are doing it. I, I think what we're gonna see next is highlights from U10. And there's gonna be some 10 year old kid out there this week, probably in our driveways right now, Practicing this new move that we've never seen before, and you know, it's just it, it's the young, it's the young skill. Might be a Sarah Valley doing it someday on a uh, live barn, but this this play is coming to rinks everywhere. But incredible play, and uh, exciting to see new things like that develop in the game.
2: Yeah, unlikely if you've ever seen my kid play, but um, I won't put it past him. Eventually, at some point, to put it together, but. Um, you know i i get exactly what you're saying because you should see some of the things that i see coaching my my might eight and under team like they're they're trying stuff like this all the time which you love to see my favorite part is trevor zegers said after the game in an interview with john butcher that this is the favorite goal that he's you know ever been part of which says something because he scored in a gold medal game in the world juniors for team usa so to think that this sort of tops the list You know, it's one thing to try it out. It's another thing to also flip it and have Sonny Milano paying attention to be able to bat it in. What if Sonny Milano whiffs on the goal and all of a sudden, you know, it's just a creative thing that never got put together fully?
3: Well, I I think with Zegers, if Sonny whiffed, the highlight would have been just as funny. You know, there's so much character coming out of this kid. And he would have just tried it the next game. Um, To me, like... We talked a story, we told a story earlier this year about Zegers, someone asked him in an interview, what's up with all the behind the back passes and he said, I, I don't even know what you mean like I just consider those passes. So this is just another tool, another sick play that this kid can make and I guarantee he's going to try it again and if, he, if it doesn't work he'll be laughing.
2: I'm not really interested in him trying that again, although it'd be cool to see. I want to know what else he has up his sleeve. So looking forward to seeing how the rest of the season plays out and how Zegers factors into the Calder Trophy race. You know, we've got uh, a couple months under our belt this season. It's time to take a look at what we see as the Calder watch to this point. And how does Zegers factor in for you on your list with a talented trio of Detroit Red Wings rookies as well?
3: Right now, I have Zegras at the top, and he is the guy that I debated early in the season as number one, and I did not give it to him, so he's got my attention, and, and the reason to me, Frank, it's not just last night's incredible play, it is the highlights, it, he he is going to take us out of our seat consistently, uh, he's leading the rookies in .88 eight points per game, I just think that's going to keep coming, because this kid's confidence is unbelievable, and for me, and I know we're going to go through a bunch of these guys, but one of the reasons I have him right ahead of Raymond right now is I think Raymond's going to be in the Olympics. I think that's going to be hard for him in the second half of the season. Get a little tired in the last 30 games or so. So right now I got Zegers on top and, you know, I, I see a lot of these wings up there. There's a lot of guys to talk about.
2: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And you see Chris Peters on the right. He had his rookie rankings through the month of November posted on DailyFaceOff.com yesterday. So you see how five is all mine on the left. I have Moritz Seider at the top from the Red Wings. And for me, the reason is he's only a couple points back of Lucas Raymond. Yes, a lot of his points are assists, but the fact that he's doing this as a 20-year-old defenseman playing almost 23 minutes a night, and it's not just that, his play in the defensive zone has been actually pretty strong as well. You look at who he spent the most time on the ice with this season, that's Danny DeKaiser. That's a guy that's kind of been hanging on by a thread in his career in the NHL. And he's helped prop up Danny DeKaiser. Their wings aren't getting shelled in their own end when those two guys are on the ice. So Cider's doing it at both ends of the ice. And I just think, you know, when you're this young, putting up that many points and doing it in your own end and playing that many minutes, that that gives you a bump over some of the forwards. Uh, Zegres certainly, you know, maybe a little recency bias there, watching that goal and the creativity. But, um, you know, wanted to shine a light on Jamie Drysdale and what he's been doing, logging mega minutes for, The Anaheim Ducks, uh, Anton Lindell getting some love from Chris Peters. He's carried the bulk of the defensive duties for the Florida Panthers to this point. And Alex Nedeljkovic in net, uh, he's been fantastic. That trade to me with the Detroit Red Wings and the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, sending Nedeljkovic back to Michigan, to me, was one of the real confounding moves of the summer. Uh, although it's hard to second-guess the Hurricanes and what they've been able to do in their net with Freddie Anderson. So uh, let's take a look at, uh, after digesting much, the three teams that have been on incredible hot streaks. You take a look at the NHL standings today, Steve. You've got the Minnesota Wild, the New York Rangers, and the Dallas Stars, all with a W7 next to their name, as in seven wins in a row. And you look at... They've done it all sorts of different ways, these teams. Um, Who impresses you the most in this group? Who has the most staying power? Not in terms of the win streak. We all know that's going to end at a certain point. But in terms of which team is on the right path to playoff success in your eyes. It appears that we have lost Steve. yeah, that's fine. Uh, look, hey, uh, technical difficulty pops up. Uh, all good Sorry, there. guys, I, um,
0: you.
3: I am alive. I am alive.
2: Yeah,
1: there he is. He's
3: alive. He's back. <laughs>
2: that,
3: oh, that'll man. happen. My, uh,
0: my team,
3: my team right now is Minnesota. Frank, you know they're firing on all cylinders. Second in the league at goals for, and actually their power play is twenty sixth. So to me, when they get that clicking, I think they're going to be even more dangerous. Um, Dallas is playing outstanding. That top line of Robertson, Hints, Pavelski, Ottinger, and Holpe are playing great. The Rangers, what they've done is they're winning games that they need to win, and they're collecting points at a time that they have to collect points, which is crucial. There's nothing bad there. Like You don't want to look back and say, geez, we lost six points in November against these teams. So they're winning games they have to play. But for right now, me uh, for me, Minnesota looks like the team that's set up the best for the next couple of months here. And there, there's there, all these teams are playing great.
2: Yeah, I know I gave a little love to the Dallas Stars yesterday on the show, but I love the confidence from Rick Bonus that he showed going back a few weeks to when they had that closed door team meeting. He said, I know exactly what's wrong with this team. I'm going to fix it. I'd love to know what was in his special sauce in order to do so, but that team has found itself. Um, And they've had the talent. You think going back to the Stanley Cup Final a couple years back, they got timely contributions along the way. But I think they have the depth and the style of play uh, at which they attack teams that could also really lend itself to some playoff success. So watch out for the stars. But I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I'm not really quite as sold with the Rangers. Um, You know, I think they've won a lot of games, one goal games over teams sort of at the bottom of the standings. Their strength of schedule to this point hasn't been all that impressive. But still, when you look at the overall league standings, points percentage, the Rangers right up there at the top of the list. Wanted to give everyone A little quick Olympic update as well. Uh, Lots of questions as we enter what will be the final month before the NHL can opt out of sending its players to Beijing. January 10th is the date to do so without financial penalty. And so what's happening behind the scenes at the moment is the NHLPA is really waiting to canvas players in terms of their interest and and willingness to go to the Olympics. They've been pretty steadfast to this point, but you see Robin Leonard speak out earlier in the week with a tweet saying he doesn't think that this would be good for his mental health. I think there's other players that have similar reservations, not necessarily about mental health, but just about everything that's going on right now related to the pandemic. They're waiting for clarity. What's going to happen in the next few days is the Beijing 2022 updated Olympic playbook is going to come out that should detail uh, some further quarantine restrictions and requirements should you test positive for COVID-19 while in China. At the moment, the understanding is that players and or staff would need to quarantine in China in isolation for three weeks with a positive test. The question that NHL players have asked and the NHL PA is hoping to get an answer for is, can you be medically evacuated? Can you leave the country on a charter? Should you test positive or do you have to stay in China for that isolation? The playbook is expected to update that in the coming days. And then once that information comes back to the PA, then they're going to canvas the players who are on the long list that could be selected and say, hey, uh, this is where things stand. Do you still want to go? Are you steadfast in your belief that you want to compete in the Olympics or would you like to pull back? And so they're going to take the temperature of the group and then make a decision moving forward. I guess my question for you, Steve, is if you were a player in that position, uh, that could be picked for the team and you might be staring down a potential three-week quarantine in China. You want to go?
3: I would be loading up on Netflix and books and cell phone chargers, Frank, I'd be on my way there. Uh the Olympics, hey, it's it's such a special tournament. Um, I, I could never see myself not going, but I'm gonna totally respect the players that don't. They have families, they have other issues that you know they may have to deal with. So it, it's an interesting situation. I think your update there is great because the the fans, the media, everyone's starving to know what's next with the Olympics. And you know, with your with your dates you gave there, we're gonna find out more soon. But I would be on my way there, and and I would be loading up on uh, things to keep me busy. Had I, if I ever had to be, stay there.
2: <laughs> Is there something with you and phone chargers that you constantly leave behind during travel? It must be a recurring theme because you've mentioned it a couple times. So we'll undoubtedly get uh, more information as well with the NHL Board Governors meeting, kicking off tomorrow in Florida. I'll be there and reporting live from there. So we'll keep an eye on all that and more. It's time for another edition of The Number Crunch. That's right. It's time for another edition of the Number Crunch with Rachel Dowery. Pleased to welcome you back to the show, Rachel. Interesting debut with Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench of the Vancouver Canucks. I know it's just one game, extremely small sample size, but what did you see? What did you notice different about the Canucks through their first game?
1: I gotta say, I think the biggest thing has nothing to do with numbers. The attitude and the body language on the bench was noticeably Upbeat and different. Even Connor Garland did an interview and he just seemed like he was really rip-roaring and ready. And so I look at it and I go, Okay, that's a good sign. Like there's there's buy in there. But then if you actually look at the numbers, and like you said, it was only one game. But the scoring chances for this season under Travis Green, the scoring channel close to the bottom of the league under Bruce Boudreaux, improved by like seven percent. That's an enormous jump. High danger chances, like they're just hank thatcher demko out to dry this year and now you look at it they dominated la and i think that'll obviously come down but i wouldn't be surprised to see vancouver winning the scoring chance battle and then you just look at the expected goals for the simplest of them all and you look they're losing it under travis green and then bruce boudreau comes in kind of lets the horses run wild a little bit and off we go we're winning the scoring chance battle and that's with score effects given that Vancouver was leading the entire game, and they still won the battle. Which means they truly they mitigated the pushback from LA when they tried to get back in the game, and they kind of put their foot on their throats and said, "Nope, we're this is our game, and we're winning."
3: Some great points there, Rachel. At- and oh, sorry, I was I was going to ask sorry, you. Um- no worries, no worries. I'm anxious to ask this one. Um, you know, do you see Bruce? As a as a short-term fit, is he a long-term fit with the style of play that, you know, Vancouver plays? Is this a guy that you think with the personnel they have right now could be the right guy going forward?
1: I think we saw his impact immediately right on the special teams. I noticed right away that that penalty kill, Zorchak, was insanely different. And they were perfect on the penalty kill and they were perfect. Uh, they were 50% on the power play, which I think, might be more attributed to luck than like changes that came in but the penalty kill will be different one of the things was the additions of ho uh not ho yeah hoaglander Peterson, and horvat playing more so you've got your skill players leas Peterson drew a penalty shot so i look at bruce Boudreaux, steve and i say this is a type of coach that likes to play a much different style than travis green if you look at what he's sort of known for in his team specifically in washington his teams play high-event hockey, he really leans into his offense, He expect it's a lot of high-scoring games, it's a lot of, hey, Elias Pettersson, Bo Horvat, JT Miller, uh, Niels Hoagland, or Vasily Colson. you're going to play a lot more, and we're going to expect you to score. They're aggressive when they don't have the puck, they want to get the puck back, and we noticed that already in Game 1, they were kind of hounding the puck really well, and... Bruce Boudreau has a propensity to lean on his core players. You look at Ovechkin and Backstrom and uh, even like Mike Green when he was in Washington and I can see this being a long-term fit because you look at some of the young players in Vancouver who have kind of seemed a little bit more down in the dumps but you've got Quinn Hughes who kind of resembles what Mike Green was doing. You've got Elias Pettersson, you've got a couple of really young good prospects in Hoaglander and Pod Colson I think there's really something there and with the way that bruce boudreaux coaches and his style i think it could be a really good fit
2: rachel what can we expect from petterson moving forward it seemed like the last Maybe handful of games at times he was kind of trending in the right direction under Travis Green, obviously a, a step forward in game one under Bruce Boudreau. But what's the key to getting him back on track specifically? Because I think I see that as the number one question mark facing the rest of the Canucks season. Put playoffs aside. You need to determine and figure out where this kid is at.
1: Yeah, I don't think playoffs as, as highly as I think of Bruce Boudreau as a coach you're like close to 20 points out that's a big problem and now we're past thanksgiving we're into december but i look at Elias peterson specifically and you could watch him in the latter days of the travis green sort of coaching era and say they just weren't on the same page he didn't look like he had any confidence he didn't look like he believed in himself and basically he was the anti-trevor zegers of last night and now i think under bruce boudreau who's kind of a guy that really empowers his core players and his star players to be stars you look at when he took over in washington that was a 65 goal year like he's really gonna lean on Pedersen, and he's gonna give him that chance we saw it on the penalty kill hey you're gonna play on the penalty kill we saw him on the power play and i really think that Bruce boudreaux is gonna say hey i'm gonna take the reins off of you here find your game again take a breath chill and everything's gonna be okay
2: I love that message. Everything's going to be okay. I think that's what Canucks fans have been hoping for for a while. And I also love the message that Boudreaux sent to the Canucks. You can ask me to play on the penalty kill, but if it doesn't work out, don't ask me again. So he's coming in with an open mind. And I think that's uh, certainly music to Canucks fans' ears. Uh, This segment, music to our ears. Rachel Dowery, thanks so much. This was another edition of The Number Crunch. All right, Greels, it's time for the daily face-off inbox question of the day. Let's have a little fun. You can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. A little bit more of a lighthearted touch here, but you see the facade coming down off of the Staples Center. It's now going to be called the Crypto.com Arena. I mean, I it's I I know it's 2021 and like, you know, things change and it just feels odd to not have it called the Staples Center anymore. What's your favorite old school iconic arena name in NHL history?
3: I gotta go with Madison Square Garden. Uh, the most fam- the world's most famous arena, just a special place, you know, the ramp up, the smell of the building. And I always think of this line Keith Kachuk had to me years ago that it was the first time you really fe- he really felt like he made it was in a game at Madison Square Garden. You just say, "Wow, look at this place!" So for me, it's MSG—something special about Manhattan and that arena.
2: For me, it's the Spectrum. I'm, I know I'm a Philly kid, and um, and certainly that's something that a place that I saw many games at growing up, and just a unique uh, flavor to the place, a, a fear factor, small building, but definitely intimidating visiting players always came in. You, You heard the idea of the Philly flu and all that came with that. So Holmgren's gate, uh, lots of special, uh, facets of that arena. And I can just think of, uh, Fans going wild and how loud that place was back in the day. The new building has certainly had its moment, but moments, but not quite the same. So certainly lots of different answers to that question. Love to take a little trip down memory lane. Let's get to our daily face-off best bets of the day. Tyler Uramchuk, one and one. Were you making any money?
0: 1 1 and 1 as we got a push as well in the over under bet last night. So I continued to live in mediocrity. It's very upsetting, but I'll look for a clean sweep tonight. I got two plays. Let's dig into them courtesy of our friends at points bet, starting with a matchup between the Rangers and the Avalanche. And I like the over in this hockey game, paying minus 125. The Rangers were just in action last night. And with Igor Shesterkin out, that means in terms of starting goaltenders, they either have to go with Alexander Gorgiev again on back-to-back games, or they have to give Adam Huska his first career start. Either way, not exactly a recipe for success, in my opinion, against an Avalanche team that has 25 goals in their last five games. Also, the Rangers have been scoring themselves. They have 19 goals in their last five games. So I like these two to combine for over six goals in this matchup. And my second play of the day is out in Dallas. Where the stars are taking on the vegas golden knights and the hottest line in hockey you can see it right there Rupe, hints joe pavelski jason robertson they've combined for 20 goals in their last 10 games hints he's paying out the best out of the three so it's as simple as that i'm going with the best payout and i think this line is going to be able to find the back of the net again hints has points in eight of his last 10 as well minus 115 good enough for me on a point prop as well you can't get greedy you can go with just the goal or just the assist I'm playing it safe tonight. I'm going for the clean two zero sweep. Hints to get in a or hints to get a point is my second play of the night, Frank.
2: I love it. One of the best line nicknames of the year so far, Joe Pavelski and Sons line. So uh, love that and love that play. So we'll keep an eye on that prop tonight. It's time for garbage time with Steve Greeley. What's caught your eye from around the NHL?
3: Frank, just sending over our thoughts and best wishes to Jujar Kara with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, For those of you who saw the game last night, he did take a a massive open ice hit, um, taken off in stretcher. You saw Ryan Strome from the Rangers going right over to make sure he's okay. And anytime you see the opposing players kind of getting involved to make sure everything's okay, it, it heightens the tension, I think, a little bit. But, you know, for Kyra, I think it's, I think it's the third time where he's kind of had a contact to the head in the last two seasons or so. So that makes us even a little bit, you know, more anxious, hoping he's okay. And the Blackhawks released a statement. Sounds like he's going to be able to have a full recovery. We see it here now. So just thinking about Jujar and hoping that uh, he's back on the ice sooner rather than later and that everything is okay and clear.
2: Yeah, I just I, – I think we're all hoping that he takes his time. Uh, to your point, that's the third time that Jujar Kara – has been knocked out cold on the ice in the last two seasons. Certainly a scary moment last night in Chicago and and certainly sending our thoughts uh, to Jar- Jar- Jujar Kara and his family and as well as the Blackhawks. Not tough, not easy, I should say, to come back and, and finish off that game last night. So um, that is all the time that we have for today's Daily Faceoff show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Tyler Uremchuk in the big chair on Thursday and Friday. I'll be coming to you as a guest on the Daily Face Off Show from the NHL's Board of Governors meetings in Florida. Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern.
1: Thanks for watching the Daily Face Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.